Here we are again, finding ourselves in Acts 15. And we are starting to see, um, I guess as all groups go, there's going to be a little conflict. And as all groups grow, it probably doesn't need to be a conflict. It just, that's how humans are, right? So while Paul and Barnabas were in Antioch, Assyria, some men came from Judea, arrived, and began to teach the believers, unless you're circumcised and required by the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. They might have said the craziest thing to him, unless you get rid of your tattoos, unless you drink only Coca-Cola. Yes, it was a law. They're not lying that that's what the law had said, the law given by Moses. But are these people under the law of Moses? One of the things that uh, the Old Testament, uh, the Abrahamic covenant was, I'm going to bless you so that you'll bless other people. And a lot of times this culture was... Uh, we're going to curse you with the cursings that we got. We're going to straddle you with the bearings that we've had to do. And so is the idea of we're on the inside and you're on the outside. Maybe you've experienced that and gone to a church where they're like, oh, we only use this kind of translation in our Bible, or we actually don't use that translation of the Bible because that's just a paraphrase after all. Or we think that you should dress like this. God's best would be a certain suit and tie. Whatever the case might be, We as people are always trying to find who's on the inside and who's on the outside, and rarely do we think we are on the outside. We think we're on the inside. And so this group of people said, hey, these people can't be saved. Now, Paul and Barnabas disagreed with them, arguing completely. They finally say, we should have a council meeting about this. And this is the idea of what are we going to do with this seemingly easy dilemma? They're not circumcised. And so they send Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem, and it says that they all gathered together, the apostles and the elders. And verse 7 says, After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them. And it's it's only half of a verse where it says there had been much debate, but this probably was a long, serious discussion. And then Peter speaks at the end of verse 7 and through verses 8 and 9. He really recaps Acts chapter 10, what happened at Cornelius' house. The God who knows the heart bore witness to them and gave them the Holy Spirit, these Gentiles that weren't Jews. It says in verse 8, just as he did to us. And verse 9 says, he made no distinction between them, us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. And then in verse 10, he says, now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples next that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? Listen, we can't even keep this law perfectly. We can't even keep all the requirements that we're saved just like they're saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus. Peter says, God saves us all the same. It's just like when Paul talked in Poseidon Antioch in chapter 13, verse 38, where he says, Through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified through the law of Moses. Peter's saying the law can't save them just like they can't save us. And then Paul and Barnabas recap in verse 12 what had just happened in chapters 13 and 14 on this missionary journey. It says the whole assembly became silent and listened to Paul and Barnabas describe all the signs and wonders that God had done through them among the Gentiles. All of the things that we've just talked about the last few weeks, how there's been opposition and persecution, but that through all of those things, the gospel's gone forward, and Jews and Gentiles have both come to faith. So, and keep in mind, as Paul is telling these incredible things, it's doubly incredible because 
he was just a couple of years ago in recent memories killing people that disagreed with what he's just saying now. He was enforcing Jewish law to the nth degree, calling people blasphemy, stoning them, killing them, uh, seeking them out, squashing this movement, and now he's saying, it's the grace of our Lord Jesus. And this total change of heart and mind had to mess with these people. Uh, so then James stands up and says, listen to me. Peter's told you about the time that God first visited the Gentiles, and this conversion of the Gentiles is exactly what the prophets predicted. James kind of leads this forward, right? He says, afterwards, I'm going to return. He gives all this prophecy that's been spoken. And he is emerging as the leader in the church uh, in Jerusalem, seen as a leader. Um, and he says, the Lord has spoken. He has made these things known so long ago. James is able to take what has been said in the past, connect it to what is going on right now. Probably a good lesson for us is trying to fight, figure out what has God said in the past and how to connect it to now. And so the ruling comes. And so my judgment is that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. Wow. I, I think that is like the apex of everything. That's the paramount uh, statements, the zenith of everything that needs to be spoken. Like, we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, those who are turning to God. Yeah, James is talking about God is saving people from all over the world. It's not just people in Jerusalem. It's not just Jews that are coming to know who he is. It's through what's happened with Peter and what's happened through Paul and Barnabas. People are from all over coming to faith. It's really the church is starting to live out what Jesus talked about in Acts 1-8. And it's centered around the gospel. It's centered around the person and the work of Jesus. And so they draft this letter. And it's really outlining the things that they've talked about in this council. They recognize that some people have come and troubled them, that unsettled their hearts. These people that have come in and stirred things up, they didn't have the right understanding of what the gospel was, that they were just there to get them off track, and that they were making it harder for them to actually understand and receive the true gospel. And so when this letter goes out and they deliver the letter and they read it, there was rejoicing. It says in verse 31, when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. They were so excited. They were encouraged by this decision, by this letter, that they didn't have to do all of these extra things that traditionally that Jews did in order to have a relationship with God, in order to know who he was, in order to um, come to faith, to be saved. It was just about putting their faith and their trust in Jesus. And that section ends by saying that Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. And as we think about these verses, I think it's easy to go, man, those guys at the beginning of this chapter, those guys were idiots. They blew it. How could they get this so wrong that they were adding all of these things to the gospel? They were adding all of these requirements that weren't really requirements. They were putting this unnecessary burden on these people that were truly just seeking God. But I think if we're not careful, we as Christians, we can do the exact same thing. It might not look like, hey, everyone, we're going to do what the traditional Jews did. In order to be a Christian now, you have to do all of these things. But in our own way as Christians, we can fall into that same sort of pattern. We can be more concerned about people looking like they're holy instead of actually 
being concerned about them, being holy, and having a true relationship with God. So as you read these verses this week, write down a couple things that stand out to you. Write down some things, some questions that you might have, some other verses that you think connect to these ones, and let's talk about that this week. We hope you're having a great week, and we'll see you on Sunday.